You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Last night, I journeyed through cyberspace to the conceptual Nighthawks Diner. In this amazing podcast, the hosts discuss movies, classic movies, new movies, good movies, bad movies, movies that haven't been made yet, movies from Norway. Each movie a journey, each episode giving valuable context. The films were made accessible, and I was victorious. Nighthawks Podcast. All episodes downloadable separately. Available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Taking a look at today's media landscape, you have a vast smorgasbord to choose from. Uh, your superhero epics, you've got your true crime specials, you've got your compelling crime dramas. Well, there's a horse of a different color <laughs> in a new, I guess I, I'd call this a family drama featuring Haley Lou Richardson and Owen Teague. This is the Screener Squad on One of Us Net. I am Trevor and joining me on the panel tonight to talk about Montana Story, we have Bradley. Hello. And Melina. Hey. I'm just going to say right here, right now, isn't it great to see a movie f that's actually set in Montana that looks like it was filmed in Montana? In Montana, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, not to call Power of the Dog out, but I'm like, that's not the American West, that's Rohan. Yeah, yeah, that's it looks nothing like the Rocky Mountains. No, a lot of the time... Canada actually steps into play America in or the United States in a lot of movies. So I know we're joking, but yeah, spot on. Well, and you're in Canada, aren't you, Bradley? Oh, sure. I've been to tons of spots where big movies have been filmed. Um, Ghostbusters Awakening, whenever they would go outside in those mountainous areas, that was in the Drumheller area of Alberta, which I've been to lots of times. So wow. I'm kind of an official Ghostbuster, I've decided. Melina, do, do you have any uh, Rocky Mountain roots? Do you know the area? Um, I grew up, well, uh, I was a very young kid when I lived in Idaho, so I wasn't exactly within view of the Rockies, but I certainly was in the neighborhood. And Montana's right in my backyard. I'm currently in central Wyoming. So, oh, cool. Um, that is actually a point of contention for the region is when movies take place here that aren't filmed here. Uh, the locals tend to get a little case of the ass about it. Now, there's lots of reasons for that. Um, there's just, there's no crew infrastructure here. There's no studio infrastructure here. Everything's on location. And so if you're looking at filming in Wyoming, it's a different story because everything in your production, you have to schlep with you, uh, which can be costly. That was a full digression right here at the top of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Montana Story is a, it's a family drama. You have the family patriarch approaching end of life. He's under end of life care. Uh, does not spend a single second of this movie conscious. Cleaning up and picking things up and, and tending to the farm as uh, our character is about to make his exant, we have his two estranged children. Over the course of some time as they're taking care of their father, I think our, our time span here is about a week, 
They talk about things. They talk about their past and they talk about the mysterious incident that happened between them that has driven a wedge in the family. This is a movie very much about, I think, self-actualization. I think it's about uh, coming to terms with becoming an adult and having older adults in your life that are approaching their end of life. A lot of really sincere moments in here. But uh, before I go off, Bradley, how did this leave you? Well, I don't know much about horses. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't think this movie's actually about a horse. And... Oh, I, I don't. I don't know, Bradley. There, there's this horse, and they're trying to decide what to do. And because it's it's old, and, and they should euthanize it, or maybe they should send it out to pasture. There couldn't possibly be a, a, an allegory there. Do you think? Well, they shoot horses, don't they? <laughs> oh God, I could feel it coming. Oh man, I was actually gonna to be a little sarcastic. You say that horse was possibly an allegory. I'm hard pressed to find a single thing in this film that's not an allegory. (laughs) (laughs) I actually signed up for this because even prior to it getting a Rotten Tomato score or the initial uh, reviews coming out, I had seen that it premiered at the Toronto uh, International Film Festival. Uh, Throw it back to Canada. See, we had a plan for that all along. It actually, I heard it was getting a lot of initial praise. And since then, it seems like most of the reviews for this have been pretty positive. People have definitely been uh, lauding it for many different reasons. I just wish I could be one of those people. Okay, good. I'm with you. (laughs) Thank God. This is really a fantastic opportunity for for our actors here, Haley Lou Richardson and Owen Teague, to really stretch their muscles and do some acting here because this movie is almost entirely tell with very little show. We are going to talk about things that happened. We are going to talk about things that people want to happen. We're going to talk about things that are happening in these people's lives. But at no point are we actually going to show them. And that's not always a bad thing. I think that is something that you can deploy in a film to very good effect if you know what you're doing. And I'm not going to say that these folks don't know what they're doing. But this is a very talky movie. And it kind of addresses things three and four times. We have to go over a few finer points uh, more than once, which left me a little bedraggled. Um, there is a B story here or an allegorical story or a parallel story here about the fate of a horse that's been owned by the family who is getting on in years. There's really nobody to take care of him. Once the father dies, the farm is going to go into foreclosure, and so there's really no place to keep this horse. What we have is the kids trying to decide the fate of the horse, but really what they're doing is talking through their problems. Right, and I will say, if there actually was something about this film that I did enjoy, it was that I think that when it comes to the setup of them having to figure out, okay, we've got limited options in terms of what we can do with this horse who pretty much represents all of the positive, loving things about our childhood. Not to go too much into the bullet points of the allegories, but I did appreciate that they set out to where we know that the family is not just on rocky terms with their relationships, but with the father being basically comatose and them saying, it's not if, it's when. Right now, we just need to get you all set up with the impending uh, financial disaster that's about to happen. Your father's bankrupt. He borrowed against the house. Uh, His Medicaid's not kicked in. So even if you were to sell the house right now, it wouldn't cover the medical bills. And also you have this horse that you can't take care of. And we obviously have nowhere to put him. So why don't we just go? Why don't we just go ahead and put him down for you? 
I'm like, that's an interesting setup. And I was like, oh, I wonder where they're going to go with this. And unfortunately, where they go with it is, well, let's just talk on the highway for the rest of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is part of me. And maybe this is because I grew up in Wyoming. I have a partner that raises horses. But the second I hear, hey, we're in financial trouble and nobody can take care of this very old horse, there are options to sell that horse for someone else to put it down and they give you money. You can sell it to a kill buyer. Right. Who will render and and harvest and make sure that the horse is going to good use. Like, it seems like this wasn't fully thought through. Now, maybe we can pin that on the fact that the kids just don't haven't been around horses a whole lot, but we also get the impression that they've raised this horse their whole lives. Yeah, they were raised on a ranch. You'd think that they would know that, given the fact that you're in horse country, that there are plenty of options going right to, well, may as well just put him out of his misery. I was, that was perplexing to me. Now, we have to remember, like, yeah, this is not the horse whisperer. The horse really is more of a MacGuffin than anything else. I think there comes a point where you're supposed to understand that it's really about, especially the sister of the siblings, Erin. She's particularly against the idea of having to put the horse down because the horse really to her is the only positive connection that she has with her past that she's run away from. I'm like, okay, well, we. it seems like even the movie knows that she's not thinking this through. She's acting purely out of emotion. So I, I understood that. But where they, where, I'm not going to say how, but the way that they resolve that, I was like, why didn't you think of that an hour ago? Like, why wasn't that your first option? <laughs> Well, the emotional journey for me, this just made me feel sad. And I'm not someone who doesn't like to feel sad, but it made me feel sad without resolve. And I wasn't sure if that was a failing of the film or maybe I just am so removed from this particular situation on so many levels that I don't understand how emotionally Aaron and Cal walk away from this with a better tomorrow. And that really bummed me out. Yeah, I will say that I can relate to what they're going through on a certain level. I've had to deal with, you know, a sick parent and having to deal with the very complicated emotions that come out of something like that, especially if you had a tumultuous relationship, that can be incredibly tough to deal with. And there is a lot of there's so many reasons I was ready to connect with this film emotionally on that level. And I ultimately couldn't. Not because I can't relate to it, I absolutely can, but I think the movie believes it's selling you on the emotional journey of these two people without ever actually doing it. You know, it seems to think that, you know, these dramatic monologues and these very emotional discussions really should be tugging at your heartstrings. And I'm like, well, I just don't think it's as well written as you seem to think it is. And I don't even know that it was so much a problem in the writing as it was just I never really connected with the characters. There was never that moment where I truly fell in love with either one of our protagonists. What I will say, this movie has a lot of really genuine, sincere um, moments that just ring true, moments that absolutely feel like small town Rockies. There's a whole arc here where they have to buy a truck and a trailer to bring it back that they're going to use to transport the horse. And this leads to just meeting a guy off Craigslist out in the Tuleys. And they ask the guy, hey, how long has it been since this this thing has been turned over? And he's like, oh, month, maybe less. 
probably more. I don't know. <laughs> and that was like the most, like I have had that conversation with somebody. Yeah. I have, I have met that guy. <laughs> there are also just moments here. There's an absolutely wonderful performance by his name is, I'm going to butcher this, but Gilbert Aur as Ace, and he is a live-in nurse that is taking care of this gentleman at his end of life, who is a real lovely, genuine... He's the guy I immediately fall in love with. Oh, yeah. And he's got so many amazing, like, little moments, but he's really just there to be an emotional core for the movie. And then they dis discard him when he's not needed or when he's not there for the scene. Yeah. And I thought that was a little disappointing. I think that you touched on, uh, ultimately, what my biggest problem with this movie is, is with that moment that you described where they go out to get the trailer and the truck. The, I love the dialogue and the interplay between the characters. It's so real. It's so, like you said, oh my God, I've been in this situation before. That is where the movie is at its strongest, when they do have those very natural, very understated moments between characters. And I think what undercuts that is when they bring in the moments of drama, because the way that those are written and the way that they're staged are in such stark contrast to those natural moments that instead of you feeling connected to what the person's saying, you feel like you're watching someone just deliver a monologue. And it feels out of place, every one of them. And I'm like, ah, this this is like the most important scene, except now it just feels like an exposition dump. It's interesting that you use those exact words, because I think my thought going through all of this was, I think this would work better as a stage play. Sure. This would work better as a piece where I am sitting in the room with the people who are who are delivering these monologues, and I might be able to get that emotional connection that I'm just not getting uh, in this movie. It really feels, and that's not to say that these performances are poorly given. I think they're both really well done performances. I think they did the best with what they were given, but it just feels like you're kind of eavesdropping on this really personal family drama that you don't have a lot of stake in, and it's just almost violently uncomfortable at times. And I would have been okay with that had I felt that it ultimately earned its resolution, which I don't know about you guys, the way that they wrap up that third act, I was like, I really don't feel like you've earned this. I think that you believe you have, but I'm sitting here wondering how the hell did we get to this? Why was this the solution? Yeah, and I agree with that too. I mean, it ends in a very abrupt way, which things like this tend to do because you know something like that is very sudden even when it isn't is the old saying but i don't see any kind of happy happy days ahead in the sense that the way they leave each other you know throughout the whole movie these monologues after they introduced the monologues were great but before they're set up with someone saying something ominous and then the audience thinks, ooh, there's probably something more to that. But then the character will liter literally say, oh, there is. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, OK, just, you know, at least buy me a drink before you call me stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There's like a scene, for example, where the brother and the sister go to this uh, abandoned copper mine, which I don't know if that's a real location. But if it is, it's I, I actually wrote in my notes. This is beautiful, but also terrible. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
because you get the sense of, yes, this is, you know, like a horrible man-made hole that they've just, you know, plundered the earth with. But you're like, wow, no, that's actually, that's pretty striking. But there's a moment where the sister starts talking and she goes and, you know, goes into her monologue and she basically says something to the effect of, reminds me a lot of uh, Dante's Inferno, the circles of hell. And you know what the final circle of hell is reserved for? Those who abuse important relationships. You're waiting for her to go, acting! (laughs) 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 That made me think, and this is how disconnected with the movie I was, and I think the performances are fine and all the locale and locations are so beautiful. But when she said that, my first thought was, you know, I did read that and I don't think you're right. And I probably shouldn't (laughs) be thinking that while watching this. But Bradley, she had it memorized. Come and, and on. There's so, there's, there's so many interpretations to that book. I probably would have went, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Big, big yeah. ice demon eats people. I remember that. That's pretty cool. Forever and ever. <laughs> yes, because I own two copies of that book. And yeah, you can't read, you never read it the same way twice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, cr- critique respectfully withdrawn. I just thought this is so on the nose, but it's trying to be thought provoking at the same time. And they're kind of conflicting ways of delivering dialogue. Well, and the driving event that kind of shattered this family is a third act reveal. And by the time they get there and clue you in on what happened, I just found myself like going, oh, wow, that's that's really rough. That's a tough situation. I hope they work it out, but I'm, I'm not emotionally invested at this point. Okay. So <laughs> that hit me kind of hollow. Yeah. I think one of the problems with that and the reason why you don't feel as emotionally connected to that moment as you feel you should is because, and I'm not going to blame the actress, I don't think it's her fault, I just think it's the way that they wrote this character, to where, from the moment we meet her, she is aggressively, decidedly, emotionally cut off from everybody around her. You can tell that this is somebody in in her everyday life, she probably tells people an entirely made-up backstory about where she came from and who her family is. You get the feeling she does not talk about this. She keeps it very walled off. And that's why it seems she's so uncomfortable just being in this house for more than a minute after so many years. But what would have made that final emotional punch work is if over time you felt that you were starting to get an understanding of who this person is, if you were starting to connect with them emotionally. But I just feel like the movie never let us have that with her. She's pretty, she's cagey up until the very end to where when she gives her big, like she gives her, you know, another big monologue, her big dramatic monologue. I'm like, I just, you know, I I want to feel, I want to feel like, I want to be on the emotional wavelength that you are. I want this to be, this moment to be cathartic for me and you, but I still don't feel connected enough to understand where you're, like ultimately where you're coming from other than just a very clinical level. And I still feel like you've not really resolved anything. All right. Well, I think that's going to spiral us into uh, our final thoughts here. Uh, Bradley, why don't you kick us off? All right. You know, I was troubled in the very beginning by where this was going, mostly for a silly reason. The horse is gorgeous and it doesn't look old at all. It looks like it could live for another (laughs) 20 years easy. Long horses live. It looks like it's in its prime. Oh, yeah. And I don't really understand the allegory either. That's why I made a joke earlier. Like, is the dad (laughs) supposed to be the horse? Am I the horse? (laughs) I'd want to be a horse. horse We're all the horse. We're all the pretty horses. Okay. (laughs) 
but I enjoyed the performances. I really am really enjoyed Owen Teague's very subdued. Well, I'm from Montana, you know, like I've known so many people from small towns who have a not even repressed, but just uh, you don't say what you don't mean. So you don't say anything type of attitude. And I think he did really good there. Um, I love how different Aaron is because she's clearly lived, uh, as you pointed out, really in a different life and almost a completely alternate identity from who she was back in her home where she was brought up. And understandably so, we find out why towards the end of the movie. But by the end of it, I just felt an empty sadness. And I'll admit, I didn't care too much for Manchester by the Sea either for the same reasons. So I'm going to give this one 6.5 Craig's listings for something you're trying to sell that you don't really know much about. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that, uh, I mean, not to belabor the point that I think that we've all made at this point, I really wanted to like this. I do relate on a certain level to what these characters uh, have gone through, what they are going through. And I I respect any film that wants to explore trauma that has not been properly dealt with. I almost feel like a bad person for having anything bad to say about this because you feel that its intentions are so squarely in the right place. It's just in the execution that I feel all the problems lie. Inconsistent dialogue choices, allegories that just feel way too on the nose to where you're almost like, God, do you think I'm that stupid? (laughs) (laughs) Try not to take you try not to take it personally. There's anything that kind of comes close to saving this to me for me to where I don't dislike it. It is the performances between your two leads. They have a good chemistry together. It's not particularly strong, but that's appropriate because you're dealing with a strained relationship. That's how it should feel. And I think that they're both very good. I want to see them do more. I think that they could both do great things with dialogue that is, you know, more nuanced than than this and with a story that's more nuanced than, than something like this. So ultimately, I just kind of came away with it thinking... Well, you tried. Good for you. <laughs> Points for trying. Uh, I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give this uh, five out of ten. Cats named Oscar Wilde. <laughs> yeah, this one. Like I said, I love a lot of the Montana slice of life stuff that they do here. Um, I think a lot of it looks great. Montana is a good looking area, and they use that to very excellent effect in this movie. I think the performances are strong for what they're given. But ultimately, the third act reveal on what the big event is, and it's something that we're we're teased throughout the movie, but when that finally comes, I couldn't help but catch myself thinking, man, I wish I had known that earlier in the film, and I wouldn't be asking myself so many questions. And they're questions that took me out of the movie trying to figure out. There is an audience for this film, I think. There's people who will find something here that they enjoy. This is a discussion of trauma. This is a discussion of family. This is a discussion of those things being difficult to handle and uh, family being imperfect and not having any easy answers. But unfortunately, this movie doesn't have any easy answers. And when it comes time uh, for answers, I I think it copped out a little bit. I'm going to call this a five and a half out of ten lonely dirt roads that you're trying to find a guy who's selling you a car. (laughs) One of a Steve Early song to start playing during that sequence. Right. Did you call this person a kill buyer earlier? They could sell the horse to a kill buyer? 
Yeah, yeah. You're you're selling it to somebody who's going to sell it for slaughter. Sounds like a peacemaker sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> they did get renewed for season two. There are also the people like with a horse that good looking who is in that good a shape. Like I just can't bring myself to put a bullet in that beautiful animal. They'll just drive it up to bear country and let it go. 